Imagine your new bathroom. A sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. Welcome to Silicon Valley Trends, a free podcast series published by Silicon Valley Business School. I'm your host, David Smith. At Silicon Valley Business School, we provide affordable, real-world, online business education to everyone, everywhere, and guide entrepreneurs towards success with their startup ventures. This episode is called Patenting by Numbers. I'm going to give you some numbers as they relate to patents and the patent marketplace and explain what they mean. Understanding these numbers is essential if you're going to make any profits in the patent industry. However, you're going to find that the patent industry is a little bizarre. Okay, so let's start with 1790. This was the year the first patent was granted in the United States. But it was 1474, when the first Venetian statute created the first statutory patent system in Italy. Patents had been around a long time before then, but the first actual statute that we know of was 1474 in Venice. The number two. These represents the number of things you can do with a patent. One, you can file litigation against an infringer. And as we'll see later, you can file litigation in the United States, in the federal court, or the International Trade Commission. That's all you can do with a patent, except file a child application. Now, you can always use it to impress your mother and her friends, and it can be used for that kind of purpose as a trophy but that's not really a practical use. The only thing the patent gives you is a right to go to court to stop an infringer from selling infringing products and to collect a royalty. 10 million. This is the number of patents granted in the United States by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office since 1790 when patent number one was granted. 20 years. That's the term of a patent from the earliest filing. Patents die at the age of 20. When they turn the age of 20, they die. And, you know, the deal with the state is that if you have an invention and you disclose it so that other people can see the invention and learn from it, then you get a, an exclusive right to that invention for a limited period of time. When that period of time expires, anyone can then go ahead and practice the invention. And that period of time in the United States is 20 years from the date of the application being filed. 325,000. This is the number of patents granted each year by the U in the United States by the USPTO. 600,000 is the total number of patent applications filed with the USPTO each year. 
So just over half of them get granted and a pretty high proportion uh, are uh, not granted. What's that? That's 275,000 out of 600,000 are not granted. They're applications that are abandoned at some stage. 1.3 million is the number of applications filed in China each year. China's the number one uh, in terms of patent applications and patents granted each year, and the US is now number two. Worldwide, the number is 3.17 million. It's the number of patent applications filed worldwide each year. 2.1 million is the approximate number of US patents that are alive today. So the patent can die when it reaches its 20th, it will die when it reaches its 20th year anniversary, but it can also die for failure to pay maintenance fees. Uh, maintenance fees we will talk about in a second, but they, uh, there are patents that die due to failure to meet the requirement to pay maintenance fees. And so uh, a calculation was made in 2012 that there were 2.1 million patents in the United States that were alive. And I think the figure is pretty similar today. Right. So $6,300 is the cost of maintaining a patent for a small entity. There are three payments. They get larger as the patent gets older. But there are three payments made to maintain the patent. I think at four years, eight years, and 12 years. If you're a small entity, an individual or a small company, the total price is $6,300. It's double that price, $12,600, if you are a large entity, a large corporation, or if you've patented, or if you've licensed the patent to a large entity, you have to pay the large entity fee. The estimated cost of filing and prosecuting a patent in the kind of internet high-tech sector is $20,000. This includes the patent attorney fees, which are usually $400 to $700 an hour in the major metropolitan areas. So typical cost, if you have an attorney, of cost of obtaining a patent is $20,000. And the total number of claims in, a, an in the U average US patent is 16. However, many of them are dependent. So they will take a claim and they'll add another feature or another element to the claim. And so they'll be dependent on a prior on another claim. So altogether, there are only an average two and a half independent claims in a US patent on average. Now, this number is kind of shocking to people that are outside the industry. If you think the only thing you can do with a patent is litigate it, there's only one in a thousand patents that go to trial. These, this number comes from a paper from 2005 by Lemley and Shapiro called Probabilistic Patents. And the other number that comes from that paper is that only 1.5% of patents are ever asserted. So have ever licenses requested of 1.5% of patents. Now that the patent laws have become more 
in favor of the defendant and it's become a lot harder for patent holders to actually assert their rights and a lot more dangerous and a lot more costly. I think these numbers are actually pretty low. Uh, the number of patents are litigated 98.5% of them never being litigated, 1.5% being litigated. I w we'll use that number, but I think it's um, I think it's pretty low in the current markets, probably less than one in a hundred patents is ever asserted and less than one in a thousand patents ever gets all the way to trial. So we have a situation where at least 98.5% of patents have little or no commercial significance. These are patents are not of interest to buyers. And as a patent broker, we get lots of patent holders approaching us, asking us to market their patents and help them monetize them. And we have the unfortunate job of uh, essentially telling these inventors that their baby is ugly and uh, there's really nothing we can do. The patents have to be built to withstand the rigors of litigation. They have to be heavily infringed in order to be of interest to buyers and to be of, and the buyers are really only interested in those patents that can be litigated. So there's a huge percentage, probably in the region, it's higher than 98.5%, probably higher than 99% of patents that really are, are not, cannot be monetized through licensing or through patent sale. $60 million. This is the cost for Apple's legal fees in their trial with Samsung. Apple tried to shift the fees over and have Samsung pay their legal fees and sent them a bill for $60 million that Apple had received from its attorneys in representing Apple in the, in the litigation over the smartphone wars. Now, $38,000, this is what it costs to file a petition with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office Patent Trial and Appeals Board for an inter-party review. So once you've paid for your patent prosecution costs, you've paid the patent office to grant your patent, then anybody can pay this $38,000 to the patent office to challenge the patent. And as we'll see in a second, those challenges are very effective. So the patent office is in the business of granting patents and then killing patents. So the $38,000 is the actual cost to the patent office, but the cost paid to the attorneys for taking, for actually filing the petition is on average $80,000. These figures come from the American Intellectual Property Law Association survey. I'm not going to provide the sources for all these figures because it's going to make this podcast extremely boring, but I will put them up on our Silicon Valley Business School website in our Silicon, in our uh, patent strategies course material. All right. So $80,000 to file a petition for an inter-party review. Then uh, the petitioner to get through the patent trial and appeal board hearing, the cost is $275,000 on average or median cost. And the median cost, according to the AIPLA survey, is $350,000 to take the IPR through appeal. Right. So these, these IPRs came in as, as part of the American Invents Act a few years ago. 
and really change the patent landscape. You know, the ability to be able to go to a patent office and have a patent challenged and often, as we will see, invalidated, really changed the patent landscape significantly and increased the costs for patent holders, um, especially small inventors, if they want to assert their patent rights. Now, when IPRs were first introduced into party reviews in 2014, only 3.5% of the claims that were challenged survived. 96.5% of them were killed. This data comes from the Finnegan Law Firm. So the kill rate was extremely high. And once you've filed your patent and you've asserted it and, or someone's challenged it and to find that you have a 96% chance of the patent being killed is pretty shocking, really. This was in the height of the fake news around patent trolls and the time when Michelle Lee had taken over the patent office as the director and had assembled what were called the patent death squads that were judges that were on the Patent Trial and Appeal Board considering these inter-party reviews, and they were killing 96.5% of the claims that came, they came across. Things have got a little bit better since then. Now, the cumulative average survival rate for claims is 25%. So, still 75% of them are killed, but the survival rate has improved, and 15%, this is the number of patents with all claims that are found unpatentable at the IPR. This data is comes from IP Watchdog. So 15% of the patents it, with uh, that go into the IPR process, all the claims are found to be unpatentable. Therefore, the patent is essentially invalid. The number of IPR challenges that result in a final written decision that all the claims are valid. This is basically supporting the patent officer's decision in granting the patent in the first place. The number of patents, the number of IPR challenges that are found to be with all claims valid and with resulting written decision is 4%. So you just have a 4% chance that you're going to get a written decision from the PTAB at, uh, for an IPR challenge that your patent is actually valid. 84% of the patents challenged in the IPR were found to have at least one invalid claim. And 92% of the patents found were found by the Patent Trial and Appeal Board to be defective in some way. Chief Judge Paul Michel noted that the processes of that tribunal are geared toward high rates of invalidation. So certainly that's their job is to, uh, has been to invalidate. It has improved, as I mentioned, since Michelle Lee, who was appointed from Google, was replaced as head of the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. All right, so now the average cost of patent litigation, if you have a case where the damages are between $1 and $10 million, essentially $10 million or less, then the cost of asserting your patent, having it litigated 
uh, on either side is $2.1 million. Again, this comes from the American Intellectual Property Law Association survey, with which these following numbers as well come from. So uh, $2.1 million to actually assert your patent and file, uh, take it to federal court. If the case is larger and the damages you're looking for are more than $25 million, then the average cost of the litigation is $5.9 million. Now, you can take your case to the ITC. It's the International Trade Commission. The federal court will consider providing you with a reasonable royalty if your patent is being infringed. So the defendant has to pay you a royalty for the goods that they've sold where they should have paid you a royalty in the first place. At One Day University, we feature hundreds of top-rated professors from Stanford, Harvard, Michigan, Texas, UCLA, and other schools across the world to explore history, music, politics, art, science, and much more. Every Wednesday, our weekly Scholar Newsletter includes five fascinating short video clips of our most notable professors discussing a brand new topic, plus special reports and topical debates as well. Sign up for free at OneDayU.com. That's O-N-E-D-A-Y-U.com. And they should pay your royalty on the future sales as well. They can, you can request an injunction blocking the sale of future products. Now, those injunctions are no longer, the last few years, things have shifted. Injunctions are no longer available to patent holders unless they are actually practicing in the market. They have to be manufacturing companies in the market. If you're purely a patent holder, you're a non-practicing entity, you are not able to get an injunction, just damages. Now, that's the federal court. The International Trade Commission is set up to protect domestic industry, U.S. companies, from products coming in through the border that are illegal. So if there are products being shipped in through the ports that are infringing on your patent, you can take your case to the ITC. Now, the ITC won't provide royalties. You can't get the ITC to enforce damages. But what they will do is block products at the ports. And essentially, this is a very strong weapon that you can use if the, a lot of infringement is coming in through imports. And if you want to file a case at the ITC, the costs are really similar to those of filing a case in the federal court. $2 million for bringing a case of $10 million or less. And the cost of bringing a case that's larger than $25 million, or I wouldn't say damages or in infringing products, is estimated to be, the average is $6.2 million according to the AIPLA. So, yeah, it's going to cost you $2 million plus, $6 million plus to bring a case in the federal court and in the ITC. You'll need experts when you bring a, a case to court. And according to the Expert Institute, the average hourly rate for deposition for an expert witness is $475 an hour. And the average hourly rate for trial is a little bit higher, it's $507 an hour on average for an expert witness at trial. Now, the motions for attorney fees. In 2002, 
the defendant in a patent case could request that the other side pay their fees if they win the case. So when they file a motion for attorney's fees, in 2002, the award rate was 20%. Very few cases resulted in the pan holder having to pay the attorney's fees for the accused infringer. The American rule is that everyone pays their own fees, but not anymore, not in the patent business anyway. In 2016, there were 122 motions for attorney's fees in the United States, increased from 50 in 2002. So following the Octane case, there were a lot more motions for attorney's fees and the award rate was 42%. So 42% of the cases, the accused infringer requested attorney's fees. When they requested, requested attorney's fees, 42% of the cases they were awarded. In that Octane case, the Supreme Court didn't really define the standard. Basically, it says that attorney's fees can be awarded and shifted from one side to the other in an exceptional case. But they didn't to decide to define what a, an exceptional case was. So that's left to the judges and they just basically have very wide discretion to decide when they want to award attorney's fees. And attorney's fees are often awarded, as you can see here, 42% a grant of a motion to awards attorney's fees is pretty significant. The number of cases being brought in the District of Eastern Texas dropped by 74% following the T.C. Heartland ruling. T.C. Heartland was a case where the Supreme Court decided that patent holders have to sue infringers in the accused infringer's home state or in a state where they're doing substantial business. So 74% after the T.C. Heartland ruling, lots of cases were filed in Eastern Texas before then. But now, because Eastern Texas really wanted those cases, uh, they're set up and geared up to handle those types of cases, patent cases. There are other states and other areas of the federal court system where the judges really don't want the patent cases. But now they have to take them because you can only file in Eastern Texas if the defendant is located in Eastern District of Texas, was as it, it was incorporated there, or it has some substantial business there. All right, so 23% was the increase in Delaware patent filings because a lot of corporations are filed uh, in uh, incorporated in Delaware. So the caseload in the Delaware court system following the TC Heartland ruling increased by 23%. Now, RPX produced a report in 2012 uh, where they said that 250,000 patented inventions were incorporated into a smartphone. It's estimated that since then, the number of inventions has, has increased. So imagine your smartphone, uh, probably 300 or 400,000 patented inventions in that phone. You cannot sell that phone without infringing on somebody's patents. You're not going to have a license to 400,000 patents. So there are these products that are patent-packed. They're packed with patents and the, the, the strategies between those 
manufacturers of those products is very different from a product where there may be just one or two patented inventions. Turning to the average sale price of patents, um, ICAP ran public auctions. Generally, the patent sale prices are kept secret. Um, they are not disclosed. They're subject to confidentiality agreements. And so there's no kind of visibility as to what patents sell for in many situations. However, in a public auction, like the ICAP auction, the average price paid for a patent was $119,000. There's a report produced annually by the ROL group and looks at the patents that are sold by patent brokers or the ones that patent brokers decide to report. And they said the median price for US issued patent uh, recently was $192,500. $192,000 is a very, very good price for a patent these days. Been in the patent brokering business for 15 years, and the highest price I ever got for a patent was confidential, but I can tell you that it's, it's more than $8 million. So that I think that was some kind of record that we got there. All right. When a patent buyer is looking at a patent, they're looking for patents that have infringement has grown in the marketplace. Obviously, when an invention is patented, um, it's, it's unique. It cannot be practiced anywhere. So it's a, it's a new idea and there's no infringement. After the patent has been on the market for a while or has been um, uh, granted, infringement can develop. And basically the patents that have the most infringement are the most valuable. Now, operating companies that are looking to buy patents to use in cross-licensing situations, they want to have at least five years life left on the patent in order to use it to cross-license with another corporation. So the ideal age for a patent from an operating company perspective is 12 years. However, licensing companies don't really need to have much life left on the patent if they're going to go out and collect royalties. Essentially, they're looking to collect royalties from existing infringement that's taken place in the past. So they'll look at a patent that is, say, 17 years old or even 18 years old. It has a couple of years life on it and they can go and collect back damages. Um, so whereas uh, an operating company might want a patent that's ideally 12 years old for a licensing company, it could be 17 or 18 years old. And here at Tynex, we've been brokering patents for 15 years. We started in 2003. We now have about 560,000 patents available for sale on our exchange. The number of patents that I've sold that were not infringed, the number is zero. Essentially, we've never come across a buyer that's purchased patents because they like the technology. They're buying patents because there's existing infringement and the patent is a weapon of litigation that they want to use for some reason, defensively or offensively. Okay, so there's a lot of numbers there. Now, let's, let's analyze a little bit. What does this mean, right? So we have 2.1 million patents alive in the US. 98.5% of them are never going to be asserted. More than 2 million patents are alive, but essentially they're living dead. They're 
really not much use to anyone. Two million patents. If you say the prosecution cost is $20,000 and then the annual maintenance cost ranges between six to 12,000, depending on whether you're a small entity or a large entity. So let's say the average of maintenance cost for the patent is $10,000. So you have $20,000 uh, cost of prosecuting the patent and obtaining the patent in the first place, and then $10,000 for maintaining it, total of $30,000. Right. There's 2 million patents that are never, ever going to be used that are alive today in the United States uh, at $30,000 each, the cost. That's $60 billion essentially is being wasted on U.S. patents. $60 billion. Uh, the most popular vehicle in the United States is the Ford F-150. They're about $30,000 each. And so uh, I ran the numbers. And so $60 billion is, is 2 million Ford F-150s, 2 million Ford F-150s. That's the amount of wastage. If you consider prosecuting a patent through to uh, and, and maintaining it when it's never, ever going to be used, if you consider that's wastage, then we're talking about $60 billion or 2 million Ford F-150s. I realize there are some people that don't spend $20,000 to prosecute a patent. They, they try and do it themselves. Actually, they're the patents that are generally the, the least useful and most likely to be in the group of patents that's never going to be assertable. But these numbers, I, I'm, all I'm looking at here the, to the $60 billion figure is the patents that were actually granted. Don't forget, that there's almost as many patents that applications that were filed that were never granted, and they incurred thousands of dollars of fees as well. I don't take into this calculation the cost of the engineering, the scientific work that goes into inventing the invention. So the numbers could be much higher. I mean, we could be looking at a situation where there's $100 billion being wasted in the United States on patents that are currently alive. Okay, now it might only cost $20,000 to get a patent granted, but it will cost you more than $2 million to assert the patent in federal court or the ITC. So people should consider that before they go ahead and file a patent because, you know, um, you might, you get your patent for $20,000, what are you going to do with it? If you don't have $2 million or more to actually take it to court and assert it. When defendants file an inter-party review at the Patent Trial and Appeal Board to challenge the patent, there's only a 4% chance that the patent's going to come through the challenge with an assurance that all claims are valid. And the chance of challenging a claim and having it killed is 75%. Then... The chance of the patent holder being forced by the court to pay the accused infringer's attorney's fees at 42% after the motion for attorney's fees has been filed. Those attorney's fees are going to be $2 million for a smaller case through $5 million for a larger case and as high as $60 million, which is what Apple requested from Samsung. So when you bear these things in mind, 
the the costs of litigation, the the dangers of um, being liable to pay the opponent's attorney's fees. It is amazing to me that 600,000 patent applications are still being filed each year in the United States and more than 3 million applications actually are filed worldwide. If you can come across a more bizarre industry than this, please let me know. I'd be interested to hear about it. So you'll find more information on this topic in our patent strategies course on the Silicon Valley Business School website. And I'll post some references where you can find the sources for the numbers that I uh, gave you today. And you'll find other information, including dozens of courses, thousands of videos and reading materials on our Silicon Valley Business School website at svbs.co. You're welcome to join me in my Silicon Valley Business School chat room where I can answer your questions and help you navigate your startup towards success and monetize your patents if you're an inventor or patent holder. I hope you'll join us for future podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe so you get new episodes as and when they're released. And please rate us in your podcast player, as this will help us get the word out to entrepreneurs, inventors, and the other people we're trying to help with this podcast series. That's it for today. Hope you tune in to the next Silicon Valley Trends, the podcast for innovators and entrepreneurs. Imagine your new bathroom, a sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels.